Good evening. It's good to see you all. Uh, let you know that because um, the last thing we did last Wednesday was y- y'all praying for me and my back and what was going on and then try to hit everybody at one time. <clears throat> a week ago, tomorrow, after we were here Wednesday night, I went to the doctor, the neurosurgeon in Gainesville, and he said, well, I would like an MRI and a CAT scan. <clears throat> so I said, do that tomorrow here. And um, I thought I had the MRI thing all worked out, called up there to Gainesville, Highfield MRI, because they've got the one of the newer big MRIs that, you know, it's not right on you like this. And I said, that's what I want. So anyway, I had it all ready to go. They were ready to give me a date. <clears throat> and the gentleman said, well, I need to ask you just a few questions and we'll get this all done. I said, okay. Well, he kept asking. One of the questions was, do you have a pacemaker? Yes, we can't do it. So I had to start the whole process over again. I've got to go to Shands where they did the, M- the first MRI because they will do it. But they had to get a hold of the manufacturer. Somebody will be there to turn it off. And then they'll do the MRI. Then they'll turn it back on. And, and I'm not going to even find out till tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, supposedly, when they can do the MRI. It's just, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, they turn the pacemaker off. Yep. And then they turn it in God's timing. Absolutely. So that's where we stand. Um, thankfully, I mean, it has been a rough week of, <clears throat> of the back pain. It's been pretty severe. <clears throat> On a scale of one to 10, it's almost always six. And then 10 is like, you know, but today so far, it's been pretty good. It's just been a dull ache. <clears throat> Who'd ever thought you'd get to the age? Y'all excuse me a minute. Mm-mm-mm. Who would ever have thought that you get to the age and place in life to where you deal in degrees of pain? You know, like you got a, well, this is a 10, but now today it's just a three. Man, what a relief. <laughs> it still hurts. That's it. All right. Well, okay. Um, we were going to start last week. We just introduced by reading the scripture on the judgment seat of Christ, knowing that after the rapture, sometime, we don't know exactly when, in heaven, God is going to, we are going, we, meaning believers, are going to stand before the Lord. I'm not going to read all three passages again. We read them, but I do want to just refresh your memory with just one, and that's because it's the main one, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let me, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. We're going to talk about rewards. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So we are going to one day, and, and um, I don't even know if I put this in your notes. I think it's in the ones I gave you from Harold Wilmington that they call this the Bema, the Bema seat. And um, it's, it seems like that at this time, uh, every believer's life is going to be examined um, in regards to the deeds that we do while in our body. Now this, um, I have to be honest, this, this part of end time doesn't thrill me to know that even as a believer that I'm going to have to stand before the Lord and give an an account of what I did in, in my body after I became a believer. But it seems like that the, the motives and the intent of the heart is what is going to be weighed. And the idea um, in case you didn't know, the uh, the idea of a judgment seat goes, and the bema goes all the way back to Paul's day, whenever they would have the Olympic, what we would now call Olympic Games, and the judiciary, the head honcho official, would sit up on an elevated throne, and the winners of the different events would be there below him, and he would one by one place a, a, usually it was just a wreath, 
on, on the winner's head. Uh, they called it the victor's crown. Um, so in the case of Christians, I th- think then we're going to either receive or we're going to lose some rewards. Now that sounds like, wow, are you going to lose some rewards? Now that sounds like, wow, are you, you really, now I ask you this question and a couple of you, um, I'm trying to remember now, I remember da, 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 who answered this for me. When I said, well, how can billions of us stand before the Lord? At least millions upon millions upon millions. And, you know, how is that going to work? Uh, Because it does seem like that this is going to be a personal judgment, not a corporate judgment. Where he just takes everybody and says, we all were, you know, did this right or did this wrong. So um, it, it does seem like it's going to be personal. And again, this has nothing to do with whether a Christian will remain saved. Some try to you know, misinterpret this, that they were saved and now they've lost it you know, at this judgment seat. But believers are secure um, in, in their salvation. And notice that Paul, the list that he made that we read, is according to the combustibility of the different uh, elements that he named. Some burn and some don't. So the bottom line seems to be that those works that are performed are the works that will stand and those works that, that are done with a, a view of, and those works that, that are done with a, a view of glorifying ourselves or to be noticed or whatever it may be will be burned up. And, and this is where, as I'm saying to you, we are so human. You know, and I am so human that it, it just seems to me, Lord, it looks like I'm going to have more burn than not, you know, because my mo- my motives aren't always pure. There's always that part of me that's human that likes the applause of men, you know, and, and likes the compliment of men. <clears throat> and I think we're all that way. <clears throat> so this is one of the ones, as I was saying, it's going to kind of I'm thinking, you know, what's it going to be like to stand there? Anybody have any comments or questions on that? Or who was it at all in a short period of time? Somebody saw me in the foyer last week. Somebody saw me in the foyer last week. I said if God could create the world seven days and the world is considered by most people to be Okay. All right. No, it's just just our works. You know, not to not to um and I I think that's where you were going that, that if they're burnt off then that we would be made pure then. Yeah, no, I, I think this is just a flat out, here's what you did, here's what you didn't do. This was done, not this burns, you know, and, and I guess we'll, we'll know that. Um, and, and whether it's, and, and I guess we'll, we'll know that. Um, and, and whether it's a literal burning or not, I don't know. Rhonda? Well, no, I, mean, I know what you're saying. You know, it's kind of funny, not, not necessarily a physical download, but he can put into our heart and into our mind, everybody at one time, boom, this is what you did. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit could do that. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good answer there. Yeah. Yeah. And with the Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us. That's a good idea. That's good. Each, I never thought of that. Each one of us individually in that same way. That's a good analogy. I got to write that down. That'll be good. Yes.
Yes. Anyone else? Yeah. You know what? If, if I could show you this, right here under this note, written written in today in green, in green, we are limited to time and space. And that's all we know. That's all we know. And God is not limited to time and space. That's, that's good. Yeah, I had it right there and didn't even say it. No, our sins have already been taken care of. Savior, they're gone. They're not just, you know, covered over. They're not just, you know, covered over. They're gone. Absolutely. Because think about it. If we were held accountable for any sin that we commit after we're saved, you can't go to heaven. You know, you gotta, we gotta be righteous at the moment when Jesus comes or we're not gonna make it. And that's why our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. Yes. As a believer, we're called to turn. Yes. As a believer, we're called to turn away from them. Cause if we don't, then we could lose rewards. You know, the, the things that we do will be burned up or, and, we pay the consequence down here. You know, um, an old, old pastor from years and years ago, his name was John R. Rice. <clears throat> and he wrote a lot of, you know, he was, and he said, you know, he said, um, if, if a guy goes out and he gets drunk and he's, if, if a guy goes out and he gets drunk and he's not saved or whatever, and he gets in a fight and somebody has a bottle and they knock his eye out, and then he gets saved and he starts living for the Lord. He said he still only got one eye. You know, the God doesn't take away the consequences of what we do, you know, all the time. So, and we're going to look at that when we look at rewards. Let's look, if you do have your Bibles or your device, at 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> And verse 28, because this is another verse that maybe some of you have a a comment on. Unfortunately, Charles Ryrie, little children, abide in him. He's talking to believers. That when he shall appear, he's talking to believers. That when he shall appear, that's the Lord, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, how, do you th- how could we be ashamed at the Lord's coming? I think if we look at that verse at the beginning, he says, abide in him. And the way we can avoid a lot of that is to make sure we're abiding in him. Because when we don't, <clears throat> then we're going to do things that, that may cause us to be ashamed before him at his coming. Um, I've actually heard sermons. In fact, I'll get ahead of 21, one through four, I believe, where it says that he'll wipe away all tears from their eyes. You know, no more pain, no more sorrow. And one of the pastors points out that Revelation 21 is at the end of everything. It's after the rapture. It's after the marriage supper of the lamb. It's after the tribulation. And now he's saying, and then... God will wipe away all tears from their eyes, which is going to bring me to a question that someone asked me just 10 minutes ago, and we want to talk about it in just a second. But let's look now at the book of Second John. Just turn right over <clears throat> to the next book. There's no chapter, only one. So then look at verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Notice that? I'm giving you these scriptures so you can write them down. Because a lot of them you probably never, I mean in your Bible, mark them or circle the number or something. Because 
A lot of these things we just read. We don't, whoa, 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 what did that mean? <clears throat> but that we receive a full reward and not lose the things that we have wrought. Okay? Some believers, when I read this, and we're going to look at the seat of Christ, may uh, experience a sense of, may uh, experience a sense of depriving, if you will. Um, and I don't know how to say this other than just say it. Maybe, as we read, suffer some degree of shame. But now keep it in perspective, okay? You know, I wrote down in my notes, tell them to keep it in perspective. Because the, the judgment uh, should give us joy that's going to last forever. Should give us joy that's going to last forever. Um, so if you would like to look at that one. <clears throat> I don't know what's wrong with my voice tonight. I didn't have any. I didn't have to take any Benadryl. So. Matthew 12 and da, 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 verse 35. <clears throat> A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That's another one that I don't like. That's a tough one to hear. Okay, my question is this, because someone asked me out there. Well, will we then know if we're in heaven, will we know that our loved ones didn't make it if they didn't? If we have belief, if we have family that was lost and didn't accept Christ as their savior and died without Jesus, we know they're not going to heaven, even if they are family. But will we know that they didn't make it? I say, yes. How would we not know? Now, sorrowful in eternity, I don't think that'll happen. We're going to know as God knows. We're going to understand. We're going to know as God knows. We're going to understand justice and God's complete righteousness and love and mercy and grace in everything that he does. So I don't think we're going to have a problem with that. Maybe uh, that will be one of those things, too, where... God wipes the tears from our eyes, you know, that, that we do know that. Um, but anybody have any thoughts on that before we move right on? Yes, sir. I don't think that I agree with all the law, only because I don't know Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, my personal feeling is, is that we will know. I don't know. I, I, my personal feeling is, is that we will know. If, if my mom wasn't there, I think I would know it. Now, how it affects me is what I'm saying. I don't think we'd have a, you know, be dealing with that through eternity. I don't think that would be a big issue because I think we're going to know. Exact God, God now, I mean, how many, how many probably billions of people have died and gone to hell? You know, I mean, amazing. And God knows that. Um, but we're not going to, I don't think, be worried about it. I don't think we're going to cry over it. I think we're going to know, Hey, God was just, God did what he had to do. They could have made a decision. They didn't. <clears throat> so I know it's tough because we're, we're, man, we're, when you're down here, family's everything. <clears throat> and to think that that could happen <clears throat> anyway, but keep it in perspective because we're going to be in heaven. You know, we're going to be with the Lord. That's why I told you at the beginning of tonight, I, I don't really like this so much, the judgment seat of Christ. I don't, you know, it'd be kind of better if he hadn't put that in there, you know, that, hey, everything's going to be all right. Let's look at something that Christians can receive, words that Christians can receive at this judgment as crowns. You ever heard that? Oh, you got a crown, in that, uh, crowns that we wear. I'd like for you to turn with me and we'll look, try to look at these quickly as we can. First of all, there's the crown of life. And that, if you'll look at James, we have to turn back. If you see Hebrews, go next door and you'll see James. James 1, 12, 
reads this way. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of what? The crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So the crown of life. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2. Chapter 2. In verse 10, he's talking to a church in Smyrna. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So, what is the crown of life? Who's that given to? Those who persevere under under trial, especially those, especially those who've had to die for the Lord. And there's been quite a few people that have had to die for the Lord, for their faith. There's another crown given to those that uh, faithfully minister God's word. And that's not just pastors. That's anyone that uses God's word effectively. And that's in 1 Peter um, chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, I believe. Yeah. In verse... Shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Glory that fadeth not away. Crown of glory. Then the Bible talks, if you look in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and again, I'm hoping you're marking these down because that's the only reason I'm giving them to you without just alluding to them so that you can find them and write them circle them because it's usually things that you you would not normally look at first corinthians 9 and verse 25 and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible so an imperishable crown that to those that win that race of self-control and not giving in to temptation Second Timothy chapter four and verse eight. I don't hear many pages. You almost have devices. I don't even hear that. Okay. Henceforth, Paul says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. A crown of righteousness giving to the people who love the appearing of the Lord. All right. Any comments or questions before we move on? We're almost done with this little section here. I, I, that I don't know. It, that's true. If I, I don't know that. I, 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 that I don't know. It, that's true. If I wouldn't know anything else, you know, I don't. Um, yeah, I do. I understand the premise of what you're saying there. Yes, sir. Yeah. Not come. Yeah. Yeah. So he understood what could happen. And I think we'll know what did happen. Yeah. Based on the fact of that situation in the afterlife. Yeah. And again, I don't know it. I can't doctrinally state with certainty, but it seems like maybe, since we're talking about chronology, that maybe that Revelation 21, where he says, and then. The Lord will wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more sorrow, no more death, no more suffering. Um, again, I'm just so human, you know, to think that a loved one isn't going to be there. It's tough. Yeah. That's our spiritual family. Yeah. Yep. 
Now, yeah. Yeah. now the, the marriage of the lamb, we're going to wait on that because I believe it fits chronology in a little bit different place. So we're not with the, the marriage of the lamb. Um, and Dr. Rhodes believes that takes place at a different time. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is look at the invasion of Israel. Okay, that's what we're going to be looking at, the invasion of Israel from his book. Um, that's not on, it's in your notes, okay, the notes I gave you. But it's vitally important that you hear my next minute or two. The invasion of Israel. But it's only, on the notes I gave you, it's way over about page 15. Oh, yeah. It's over about page 15. Right? The invasion of Gog and Magog. Right? Isn't it 15? I, I, I knew I wasn't getting that senile. Okay. All right. Now, here's what you need to hear. Okay. All right. Now, here's what you need to hear. Of all the chronology things that we're going to talk about, this is the one that could be absolutely two different times. It could be, as Dr. Rhodes thinks, before the tribulation ever begins, or it definitely, and a lot of the other ones, old timers believe that the invasion of Israel will take place in the middle. Believe that the invasion of Israel will take place in the middle. The thing is, there is going to be an invasion of Israel. What's going to happen? Who's going to do it? And that's so forth. To me, the timing of this one is not as important as, as many of the other things that we'll cover um, in, in this study. But being a stickler like I am for words and context of the scripture, I think for, for, for many, many years, um, I had this invasion at the middle of the tribulation. And it may still be, but now that I've read some of the things from Dr. Rhodes and um, others, I'm thinking, you know what? There is a, a possibility. Um, and I've gone back and checked, checked scripture <clears throat> to make sure that I wasn't missing something. But, um, anyway, keep that in your mind as we try to do a, a close enough study here, but don't let it throw you. Yeah. Right. Because it takes seven years. They, well, that's the one of the arguments is that after this war is over, there'll be seven years burying the bodies. And if Israel leaves in the middle of the tribulation, which the Bible says they will, and is taken away, then how are they going to then do the rest of the burying? Okay, that, that's one of the things. Don't let that get to you. I mean, I don't know that that's wrong. I don't know about wrong. I just didn't know. Um, you remember I told you to, um, you remember I told you to keep this in mind that it, this is not like something ends in the very next moment something else begins. The rapture's over. The next day tribulation begins. I like that. Um, and I looked at all the scriptures and, 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 and Dr. Rhodes is right. There isn't any, um, wording that makes us think that. Um, so if you assume that there's going to be a period of time after the rapture and before the tribulation actually begins, then it does fit pretty nicely in there for the invasion of Israel. And, and it's kind of interesting to look at this because, um, in fact, if you have your notes and you want to turn to Ezekiel we're going to be there a while now. I just got that one flagged. Ezekiel 38, 39. And we're going to look at selected verses there as we go through. There is no question in any of these commentaries. There is no question about the, the invasion is going to take place and who's going to be involved and what's going to happen. It's just, it just is the timing. Just the timing. All right. First of all. And we alluded to this um, not many weeks ago 
And that is that Israel has to be at peace in their land. Okay, regardless, Israel has got to be at peace in their land. And about 2,600 years ago, Ezekiel prophesied that the Jews were going to be regathered from many nations to the land of Israel. Now, has Israel ever before been regathered? Yes, but not nation. God delivered them. Medo-Persia, one nation, God delivered them. But here in this one, there's an all-out invasion of Israel by this massive northern uh, assault force that's going to be made up of Russia, Iran, Turkey, Sudan, Libya, and others. And what is the purpose? They want to wipe out the... If the United States were not backing Israel, they would have already tried to run them into in the Mediterranean Sea and destroy them. There's no, no doubt about that. And so I would also ask you to remember when we look at these some of these uh, facts here in a little bit, not only about the timing thing, but one of the keys, and this is another key that I had kind of overlooked. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't fit it in. The Muslims have a lot to do with this. And when they're out of the way, then the Antichrist is going to be able to do some things that he wants to do. Okay, so hopefully we'll get to look at that. All right. Um, That northern coalition doesn't have a frog's hair chance of defeating Israel because God is going to intervene. This is going to be a massive force, but God himself is going to fight for Israel. And he's done that many times before. When things got so bad, you know, I mean, there were some times where God allowed foreign nations to discipline Israel. He allowed them to lose some battles and things like that. But when it got to where nations, you know, and and he defeated them. Um, So anyway, so anyway, so before we jump in totally emphasize that a precondition for this invasion is that Israel has to be living in a sense of security. And he makes this clear. Let's read Ezekiel 38. A lot to read here, but I'm going to try to do it by picking the verses rather than reading a whole chapter at a time. But in Ezekiel 38, 8. After many days thou shalt be visited. Now he's talking to Israel. Ezekiel's talking to his people. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people but it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. And then if you'd look at verse 11, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, talking about Russia, what they're gonna say. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, See, that, that's indication of everything's peaceful. We don't even need walls. And having neither bars nor gates. And why are they wanting to do that to Israel? To take a spoil and to take a prey. So this cannot take place until Israel is secure. Now, are the, the question then is, is that, as he uh, titles it, is that a present reality? Are they safe now? A lot of folks believe that they already are in a state of relative security. For those of you that like to have time on your hands and you want to Google people and read stuff, his name is Joel Rose. He believes that Israel already meets the biblical criteria for being secure. And he goes way back to that guy. I remember when I was a kid, Yasser Arafat. He goes way back to that. He goes, of course, to Saddam Hussein. He goes to the peace treaties. I did not know this, that Israel has signed peace treaties with three of the main countries in the Middle East and withdrew from Lebanon. When you add that to the fact that, folks, Israel has got a well, when you add that to the fact that, folks, Israel has got a well-equipped army right now. I don't know if you know that or not. And even the ladies have to serve in the army. 
and they have a first class air force and they have the best defense uh, missile defense system in the world they have that and they have a strong economy and right now so if you put that together um it does seem like that they could, they would be in security right now so um joel rosenberg says and i'm quoting now from him it is important to note that the hebrew prophet ezekiel does not go so far as to say there is going to be a comprehensive peace treaty between israel and all of her neighbors or that most even most of the hostilities in the middle east will have ceased but he does make it clear that in the last days before the russian iranian attack the jewish people are living securely in the land that is restored from the sword what we what we, okay so at this point okay so at this point if you wanted to look for just a second at the other side there are those that believe that Israel will experience true peace and security only when the Antichrist comes and makes that peace treaty with Israel. That that's when they're going to have this kind of a peace. But folks, it's you know what's important to remember is that according to Daniel chapter nine, verse twenty-seven. It is that signing of that peace treaty that will officially begin the tribulation, not Israel and or this this invasion, but when they sign that peace treaty. So and, and so it's very possible to me that this happens going again. So my belief is that right now, as I see it, that that Israel is in a relative state of security. And that this invasion is going to take place sometime uh, after the rapture, but before the beginning of the, of the tribulation period. Any support that view? Yes, Rhonda. No, that, that they won't ever get together on that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, keep your eye on the Muslim world because they have a lot to do with, with this in Israel. Three of the top Muslim leaders in the 1930s sided with Hitler to kill the Jews. Yep. Was it Debbie in the back? Somebody... Well, he does bring peace to the Middle East. He brings peace to the Middle East. And that, that, that's why he's seen as a, a God. And then he'll put himself as God. But it'll be too late. People won't. Um... So anyway, let's, let's look at. And I don't know if these are in your notes. I don't think they are in the note notes that I gave you. But th this is in his book. But you may want to write it down. Since a lot of you don't have the book, you may want to write these five arguments that support the view of tribulation. And here's point number one. And you write it down however you want to. You can listen to all of it and just make up your own way of putting it down. The world is going to likely be in a state of chaos after the rapture. Right? We talked about that. And the rapture is going to have a devastating effect on the United States, which has the heaviest population 
of Christians. Now, Russia and the Muslim allies are going to seize that moment. See, right after the rapture takes place. And they're going to consider that this is an ideal time to launch against Israel. Because we're going to be out of the way. And, you know, and, and to think about it in, in the, what's happening today in the world, look at what is happening today. Putin in Russia isn't concerned one bit about what we may or may not do if he goes into Ukraine. Because he knows we're not going to do anything. Not with the leader we got now. You know, there'll just be a slap on the wrist and, well, you shouldn't have done that. You know, that kind of thing. And we're going to quit sending you Cheerios, you know, if you don't stop. No, it is. And once God destroys the Russian and the Muslim, once God destroys the Russian and the Muslim invaders, then the door is going to be opened for that Antichrist to come in and set up the revived Roman Empire where you have a one world government and a one world religion and everything else. I mean, think about these. That, that would be anyway. Um, the other thing, a third thing would be with this, with the money. Think about this. See, I hadn't thought about all this. It's so good to get somebody else's wisdom. Um, with the Muslim in Israel guaranteeing them to be protected. When the Muslims are out of the picture, Israel is much easier to protect. Amen? Because they're the main ones that want to want to kill them. Now, this is also, he writes... That this scenario may also account for Israel having the ability to rebuild the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Why? Because there won't be any Muslim resistance. You think they would let Israel do that today? No. The, to, to let the, they fight over the Temple Mount now as it is. But you let something like that take place, and 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 now there'd be no resistance. And the fifth thing, if the invasion takes place after the rapture and the rapture takes place maybe three or three and a half years before the tribulation, now the weapons in the invasion can be completely um, in Ezekiel 39. You know, the battle's over. The Lord stepped in. God inter- intervenes directly in the battle. Um And it says this, and they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows, the arrows, the hand staves, the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest for they shall burn the weapons with fire. And they shall spoil those that spoil them, rob those that rob them, saith the Lord God. Um, And then I had one more, Matthew chapter 24, how this all fits in. This is prophecy. This is when they were asking coming and what's going to be the sign when you go to Matthew chapter 24. And let's begin, where would I want to begin? Let's do verse 15. Matthew 24, 15. When you therefore, he's talking to the, on the Mount of Olives, talking to his disciples, shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Daniel 9, 27, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him which is on the housetops not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. In other words, those that are pregnant, those that got little babies, it's going to be hard. But pray that your flight be not in winter, neither on a Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world of this day, no, nor ever shall be. All right. So those are the reasons why. Do you have any comments or questions before we look at this invasion? Okay. 
let's look at this and maybe this will be where we'll, and we'll get close to wrapping it. We just read 38, 39. And they, these are the ones that are mentioned in the Bible. Rosh, right? Rosh, R-O-S-H, which likely refers to modern day Russia because it is the uttermost north of Israel. And that's what it said. Magog, which includes the former Soviet republics of Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan. You didn't know they had all them, did you? Tajikistan, and probably modern Afghanistan. Meshach and Caspian Seas, that part of Turkey, of Turkey. Persia, that part of Turkey, of Turkey. Persia, which became Iran in 1935, and the Islamic Republic of Iran in 79. That's what they're known today. Ethiopia is the modern-day Sudan, include Algeria and Tunisia. These are all Muslim. Gomer, which refer these are all Muslim. Gomer, which refers to part of modern-day Turkey, and Beth Togerma, which refers to southern Turkey and Armenia. So, folks, this this particular alignment, as they point out, has never, ever occurred in the past, but it is happening today. Now, you think about it. An, an alliance an alliance between all of these nations wouldn't have made any good sense in Ezekiel's day. I mean, if you'd have read all that, it would have been like, no, 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 they're not even located near each other. You know, that couldn't happen. But And, and Islam didn't exist yet. Think about that. They didn't exist yet. So it makes great sense today because the nations and that alone is enough to unite them to destroy Israel. You know, in history, unite them to destroy Israel. You know, in history, um, nations that hated each other have joined forces to fight somebody that they hated worse. And you even look at, um, in Jesus's day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They hated each other, but they hated Jesus more. So they joined together with Herod and others to try to destroy Jesus. So, all right. Any comments or questions? Folks, it's, yes. moving in that direction they're all moving in that direction so anyone else folks israel has never been invaded on the scale that is described here in ezekiel and this is not armageddon you know that that word gets thrown out a lot armageddon well armageddon comes later okay this is totally different um And Ezekiel was clear that the things that he was speaking about would be fulfilled in the latter years. And he even used the word in the latter days. So uh, he he also affirmed that the invasion would would occur after Israel is regathered from all the nations around the earth. Um, And I like what one, I can't remember who it was. One guy said, if we believe that the Bible is entirely correct, even the wording, then if we believe that chapters 36 and 37 of, of Ezekiel are being literally fulfilled, why would, okay? So that, to me, that makes good sense. Um, that makes good sense. Um, anyway, Israel stands alone, uh, but it's not a human battle. They're going to be annihilated by the Lord and his, his forces. Anyone has anything else? My next section is...
Wasn't his grandson Magog? Yes. China will be in on that. I think so. Yes, I do. You know, it's, it's really funny because right now, right now, people don't quite understand China and Russia hate each other right now. They're mad at each other. Um, um, but um, when it comes to joining forces against the Lord, they'll drop all their differences. Yeah. So I think what I'm going to do is wait because next week I got scripture that I want to read uh, and I don't want to read it again next week. So we'll stop there. When we talk about God, the judgment that God brings on this coalition, because he's going to he's going to use four or five main things to destroy them. So anybody else have anything tonight that you want to ask? Acts. Yep. Oh, yeah, they're secular as all till the end time. Yeah. Yeah. Israel is secular as it can be right now. There's very few Orthodox. Yeah. Israel is secular as it can be right now. There's very few Orthodox Jews that are, you know, when you. Um, I just told you to turn to 15 because that's my professor and that's where he thought that the invasion took place. But no, we're going to go all the way back. You'll go back to like page two or three or four somewhere in there next week. Well, I hope y'all have a great rest of the week. Um, man, wasn't it nice to see the sun? Wow. And it's going to get cool, my understanding. Um, look forward to one Sunday without rain. So, so already getting and going, so we'll pray next time. Go, <laughs> go, go enjoy. Hey, the Gators are playing right now. We got to go. <laughs>